At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Reggae Lover Podcast. Regular Lover Podcast. Your boy Khalil Wanda in the building. And it's Agard. What up, folks? Another episode of Regular Lover today. We are going to be talking about major chart love that Jamaicans get. All right? Bet y'all didn't know that Jamaicans were all over the charts. Well, we're going to talk about it today. Yeah, man. Definitely shouts out to Nice Up Radio, all the people listening on NiceUpRadio.com, um, online, on your streaming device, or on the app. Yeah, man, and shout out to everybody listening on all digital streaming platforms across the world. No doubt. And if you're enjoying this new format with being able to have the visuals of Agard and I, make sure that you like this video and also hit the subscribe button on the page. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Share it with a friend share it on your feed all right yeah man i'm still getting used to this video thing you know i i feel like i'm a lot more business likely than i thought i was <laughs> okay whatever that means <laughs> right. we'll keep it moving we'll do it live yeah man yo <laughs> so i had come across this article which talked about jamaicans on billboard right article um, was in Jamaica Observer last month, and mm-hmm. it mentions the album from Migos. The rap group Migos has an album called Culture 3, which is new. Mm-hmm. There's also a, a new album from Maroon 5 called Jordy, and both of them debuted on the top 200 pop albums chart last month. So both albums feature Jamaican producers. Mm-hmm. So, listeners may remember on our episode last year entitled Major Label Love, where we talked about the signings of Protégé's Indignation Collection uh, Collective to RCA. And we talked about, you know, some of the other people, Shensia and um, what's my girl name? What the recent one? No, man. man I talk about um, it was, a, it was another young lady that we were talking about. Uh, one is well, based in in the UK. Oh, Anywho. um, yeah, yeah. I I, th- I thought I remember the name, but I didn't. But I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so we were talking about you know artists that have been signed um recently, and, and there were quite a few. 
but you know, I also mentioned this producer. Um, so he was he came up on the show before. His name is Beam, uh, Tishane Thompson, and he is the son of dancehall legendary DJ Papa San. So he's yep. Jamaican, born in Kingston. You know, moved to the states as a teen, and he's been writing songs as well as producing. In 2013, I think it was 2013. Yeah, 2013, he won a Grammy Award for his work on Lecrae's album. If y'all don't mm. know Lecrae, Lecrae is one of the biggest gospel artists in the world. Um, so his album in 2013 won the Grammy for best gospel album the and gospel, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's like, you know, check it out. Look right. L-E-C-R-A-E. And, you know, it's kind of like R&B, hip-hop-ish, but it's all, you know, it's gospel. So Beam is working with that team. He also produced songs for 2 Chains and Yo Gotti as well. But now he's on the charts once again for writing the song entitled Having Our Way, uh, which features Drake, which is on Migos' album. He co-wrote that song. Um, and that's one of the five songs from the album that went on the charts right away. Um, debuted at number 15 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Yeah, the album is also like in the top 20 on at least 12 other major charts around the world, mm-hmm. including Europe and the United Kingdom. And the first week sales of 130,000 in album equivalent units was, uh, you know, it's also pretty impressive. And when we're talking about streaming numbers and chart performance and stuff like that you know we've always been talking about this like how the artists them don't really get no love yeah you know what i'm saying yeah artists dancehall artists posting pictures on social media of plaques that they're receiving where are they getting these plaques for not for going gold or silver just for just for appearing on the chart right um some yeah some are probably getting youtube plaques as well yeah, man, which really doesn't equate to very much, you know, <laughs> when you monetarily, because as I understand it, you're getting like a penny at the most for a stream. And, Yo, and that penny, penny <laughs> well, look, the penny, that's the thing. I, a I heard a fraction of a penny. Exactly, exactly. Because I heard it's not uh, on another show, people talking about, oh, yeah, they get a penny per stream. So a million streams is $100,000. So they comfortable. And it's like, no, bro, that penny is split between everybody that's on the, uh, what do you call it? The title, the, cre- the credit sheet or whatever. The Yeah. Everybody I mean, involved with the record gets a split of that penny. But it's not, it's not even so... I think the top, and don't quote me on this, but I think the top streaming site that pays out the most, it's point zero, like six something or something. It's not, a, it's not even a, a, a penny. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not even a penny. Let's just put it that way. So it's way. not it's point, even a penny. It's point zero zero something. Like it's, and then it's, that gets no. split. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly how it plays out, but... um. I think I think the numbers that we are seeing are, are what the artists get, like the actual artists. I think there's probably different deals with labels and stuff like that and publishing. But I think as an actual artist, 
you get 0.00 something of a penny. It's a fraction of a penny. Okay, so you think that, okay, well, either as, way. As far as my knowledge, somebody can correct us, but yeah. So either way, you, you're going to need billions of these streams, you know, at least multiple millions on everything you drop to really be eating money on eating off of that. Right. And the most outrageous example of that was, I, I brought it up before in the show, Happy Pharrell's big song that was like a mega hit across the world. Like basically it got like extreme amount of uh, plays on like Pandora or something like that. And I think he got a check for a thousand dollars. So that's that's just a, a, an example of some of this stuff going on. You now the conversation goes to how touring, especially for our industry, how touring really you know supports the artists in terms of their income, right? Doing shows, getting bookings, local and abroad, and then of course, which many fans around the world may not know about unless you're really into it is the dub plates you know what i'm saying how that really stabilizes an artist in terms of income is that now you're talking about for the first time <laughs> other than you know what i'm saying on the on the tours where an artist actually gets paid to do a song like on a one-to-one -one ratio you know what i'm saying they might have to yeah Somebody gets paid for studio time, mm -hmm. but the some and the DJs that are, you know, voicing the dubs, those are the ones that pay for all the other costs associated. So when it comes to dub plates, that's how a lot of dancehall artists have been su surviving. Yeah, man. So um, looking at the charts, though, you know, there's other producers, right, that have been doing similar things to what Beam is doing. I mean, most notably, most recent that, that I also brought up last year was uh, Stephen McGregor, you know, Fred, Freddie McGregor's son, you know, staying on theme here with the, the artist's sons here. Um, those who are mm -hmm. familiar with Dance Hall know him as the, the genius. So now it goes by Stephen McGregor, which is government, and he has a deal with Warner, uh, uh, Warner Chapel Music Group Music or oh, something okay. like that. So he has a production deal. Is it a publishing deal? So um, in layman's terms, like basically he writes and produces and he gets a piece of people's publishing when he works for um, his label. And basically, you know, he's done work with a lot of big names. Also, Russian has been producing in America a lot, has done a lot of trap stuff, hip hop stuff, um, super dupes. You know, he's produced for... A, a, a number of artists, including Bruno Mars. Um, yeah, so... Superdupes from Black Chiny crew. Yeah, of Black Chiny fame, you know. Um, he's worked with Drake, OVO. You know, there's Tarantula, who has writing credits with Rihanna, you know. Um, yeah, so even though reggae artists aren't at the forefront, the producers are still being sought after. And my opinion on that is... Because the the sound of dancehall, the sound of Afro-Caribbean, you know, music is still at the forefront. You know, even when you look at, you know, some of the stuff coming out now from Africa, which, you know, obviously 
you know, dance halls influenced by, by Africa as well, you know, and then it's turning around and being influenced, uh, Africa's being influenced by dance halls. So a lot of that stuff, you get a lot of interplay there between Caribbean producers, African producers. Um, however, when it comes to lyrical content, there are very few artists of Caribbean heritage who are quote unquote crossing over right now. You know, but the sound is still there. You know, there's been recent interviews, for example, you know, Sean Paul, um, Shaggy and Spice have been making a media circuit, you know, and, you know, they've made reference to the sound, the authentic sound of dancehall. And that's what the world really wants. You know, these are three of the biggest artists in reggae dancehall who have crossed over and continue to uh, chart worldwide. And they're mm-hmm. saying, okay, we need to reincorporate that traditional sound back into the music, right? Mm-hmm. And I know we've said this before, but you know, I guess we're adding to our case here in, in terms of the producers because they're well sought after. You know, um, the only artist, the only reggae artist that I know of, you could correct me if I'm wrong, to be signed with Rock Nation is Bujubantan. Okay. Yeah. And Buju is decisively dancehall. I know his recent album had a few different genres in there, but it was all dancehall or it was like different plays on dancehall, you know, of one or two tracks, a little bit more African or a little bit more soulful, but it's all dancehall, you know, dancehall reggae. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not a trap thing. You know, even his collaborations with Pharrell, his collaboration with John legend it's all dancehall you know and right. he's signed to rock nation when you talk about the authentic sound being recognized right um a scan of the charts recently anytime you scan the charts if you're looking at the actual reggae charts like billboard reggae charts um you can look at the apple you know reggae charts any reggae charts that are um not like Caribbean based international reggae charts. In this case, you know, let's just cite Billboard right now. I think 77, the 77 weeks running that um, the Legend album is still number one. <laughs> um, and so I'm sure prior to that, that run was only interrupted, you know, briefly. Because if mm-hmm. it wasn't number one, it was probably number two or number three. Um, the charts are still bought, dominated by various Bob Marley projects or members of the Marley family. Um, right now, Re- Revolution, the Cali Reggae Group, is number two on Billboard as we record this. And I believe Shaggy's in the number three position. So looking at the charts, there's projects from Shaggy, projects from Sean Paul. You know, their old albums, their new albums, their compilation albums, their best of albums that they may release. Um, Jean Paul Shaggy, Bob Marley, Cali Reggae. That's the majority of the reggae charts. Then, you know, you also have appearances from people like Toots and the Maytals or Lee Scratch Perry, who, again, you can't get more authentic. These are definitive reggae artists these are the artists that literally define the culture (laughs) and they're the ones that are charting you know i'm saying as opposed to 
all of the new school, you know what I'm saying, whether you want to say 2000s or, you know, 90s or now, you know what I'm saying, we still see the same people over and over and over. Yeah, man. Um, I just thought of something, too, because I, I always think about correlations, right? Um, and, and I know this may seem like we're having the same conversation, but I think it's a little bit different. So I think about, you know, what I, what I just thought about is um, UK, right? Right. Across the world right now, um, in different areas of the world, there's this thing called drill, right? Mm-hmm. And drill in the UK, you know, there's different parts of the world where drill is also like in, in America too. But drill in the UK is very popular right now with the youth, right? But here's the thing about drill. It's not my cup of tea. It's not yours. You know, we're older. We're not into like all this violent stuff and all this stuff. Right. However, I don't know what the population of the UK is, but it is self-sustainable. Right. So drill does not have to like UK drill does not have to be popular in America. It doesn't have to be popular in the Caribbean or Africa. Right. Because there's enough kids across the UK or young people across the UK to sustain it. I saw something on the internet today. Um, again, I, I haven't done a lot of research. Forgive me if I'm wrong. But somebody mentioned that the population of Jamaica is like around 3 million people. Okay? I'm talking okay. about in Jamaica. So okay. when you look at these artists, right? And if you look at, you know, some of these artists that are making this trap dance hall, whatever they call it, raffing or whatever, I don't know. Whatever they call it, <laughs> I'm, I'm not disparaging it. I'm saying, you know, it's vibesy, but it's a music business, right? Um, it's not necessarily going across the the pond, so to speak. It's not, it's not popular in America. It's not that popular in the UK. It's not that pop- popular in Africa. It's popular in Jamaica, and it's popular maybe in certain parts of the Caribbean, and even if. You know, we're to look at the dub place, like you said earlier, right? A major um, part of artists' uh, financial gain is in dub plates, right? I listen mm. to a lot of sound systems. Um, you know, there's not as much audio coming out now, but there's still big sounds that are still cutting. And I could probably cut, count on one hand the amount of newer artists that these sounds are spending money on. You know what I mean? Um, like, you know, Gage had his moment, but now there's all of these other, you know, like even Massacre. Massacre is a decent artist. To me, Massacre is like a throw, throwback type of artist. Like, he still has that 90s dancehall vibe to me. However, you know, a lot of sounds are not cutting a lot of Massacre. Even. So what I'm trying to say is um, it's not sustainable from a business model standpoint, you know, and the producers, since these artists don't want to branch out and and take advice, <laughs> are now being exported to America. You know, they're being exported to America and, and the UK and Africa, and they, they're getting deals, they're getting bonuses, they're getting royalties. Like, this is not like a producer, you know, in Jamaica, it's like a producer pays artists to be on his track and then hopefully recoups his money through um, royalties. 
this is not that situation. Mm-hmm. This is a situation where Jamaican producers are getting put on to these contracts to where they they probably got in advance and they're probably going to be writing for a bunch of different people in these publishing deals and they're going to be recouping royalties for a very long time. You know, that's that's a business model, you know? Mm. So you think am that I, am this I going is... off on tangents here, or is this relevant to this conversation? Well, let me ask you. So I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about what you're saying. You know, like because um, I feel like traditionally in reggae music in dancehall, right, the producers always made money. You know what I'm saying? I feel like the producers made money. The and a lot of time the producers, you know, had a studio. And they also had a sound system. So they're also the sound owner. So at the end of the day, they're the boss. If anybody's eating, if anybody's getting paid, it's the producers. You understand? Because they're the ones, Mm -hmm. back in the day, they were paying the musicians. And you know what I mean? They might have a team, you know, engineers, whatever. And then you have the artists. Mm -hmm. And you might have the sound system people. But at the top of yep. the food chain, kind of, it was like the, you know, the producer, the label owner. You know, a lot of times the same, it's, it's that same dude. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And in the '90s, during the height of it, a lot of these guys, I think they got rich. So I feel yes. like when the bottom dropped out, digital conversion and all these things, and it became harder and harder to, you know, sustain in music. I feel like. Cats, you know, the older heads just kind of retired. You know, they were just kind of like, you know what? I don't need to do this anymore. I don't need to deal with this. You know? And so that impacted the quality of the music that started to come out at a certain point. Um, And then you have the younger guys, you know, that we're talking about. You know, your Stevens, your your Beams, and people like that. Russian, whatnot, super dupes. You know what I'm saying? Obviously... Some of them are already based in the States because now it's a global thing. You know I mean, mm-hmm. we just email tracks and all that. <laughs> you could be anywhere. But in the States, you have more access to artists. You know what I'm saying? Especially down there in Florida. Um, you know, where... Um, what's what's the label that Tarantula them? Um, black what? something. You know, you had Black Chinese. You had, um, you know, Inner Circle them. They got the big studios out there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where they're recording like the who's who of artists, you know, the whalers and all that, like their whole camp, you know, everybody is, is kind of based in the States, a lot of these producers. Mm-hmm. But um, it's like they don't really, if, if they want that check, yeah, they're going to work with Rihanna and Justin Bieber. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there's really no money there when you talk about a Jamaican industry. Yeah, I mean that's 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 what I'm saying though. I, and I think you and I impacts, are saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 going along with what you're saying, but it, it's like a circle or a cycle, you know. Because the other side of the coin is that in Jamaica, the music that's coming out, it's just like it's just local surface, you know, economy stuff. Local, local, like super local. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not really, it's not really reaching across borders like that. Yeah. So, 
What I would say is you're right about the producers being the top of the food chain, you know, when actual units were selling, actual records, actual CDs, you know, because they're the ones who were getting the copyrights internationally and getting the royalties and the artists would basically get a one-time fee, you know, and, you know, um, so they were set up as businesses. Yeah, they yeah, were the ones yeah. invest investing the money. So right now, like as you said, you know that well has run dry. So yes, they they're seeking out um, work elsewhere. However, you know there's there's a couple different things here. They have to be talented enough to work with these labels to work with because you know when you talk about U.S., U.K., and all these places like. Record labels have also seen an impact, right? Because they're not selling units anymore. So budgets have gone way down. So, you know, they're not going to work with people who are going to be wasting their time. They might even be getting some of them for, I don't know, um, cheaper than some of these, like you said, legacy producers. Um, But it's the same thing with hip-hop and R&B. You know, I mean, once you get to a certain age, no, people age out of this thing and they still do work, but they're not like getting in the same rooms anymore. Um, with reggae, it's a little bit different. And then also, um, like you said, the producers in Jamaica were the A&Rs. Okay. Like in, in America, you have the A&R system, which stands for artists and repertoire. And basically you're training these artists to not only, um, perform, you know, it's about branding. It's also about picking hits. You know, it's it's basically a school for artists, A&R, you know what I mean? And that's what producers also used to do. Like when you hear people referring to Bobby Digital and King Jamis and, you know, even Cox and Dodd, you know, it's like, okay, they're training them how to sing. How do you write? How do you, um, uh, you know, arrange a song or, you know, all of these things. So yeah, the, what is Burrell and yeah. Bobby Digital, Donovan Dremaine, Penthouse. Right. You know, so in, in, in reggae, the producers wearing a lot of hats, you know, because in Jamaica, you know, the, the producer is the label. It's not like the label is hiring the producer. It's like the producer is everything. He's the CEO. He's the A&R. He's, he is the label. Um, so what, what I'm thinking is, there was a disconnect, you know, and I don't know who mentioned it. Maybe it was, I, I heard an interview somewhere. Maybe it was, uh, I don't know if it was Buju. Actually, no, it was Downbeat. It was Tony Screw. But I was listening to a recent audio and basically, you know, he's the elder of the elders, you know what I'm saying? And he said that basically the, his generation and the generation after him basically failed the youths. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he mentioned, I can't remember the exact words, but it was like, basically some, some people act like they don't want to teach the youths, you know? And he's been yeah. in the industry, you know, for over half a century. So I, I'm going to believe him when he says that. So what you have now is you have these producers who are musical. They're not, it's not like, you know, they're beat makers. They're, they're actual musicians, you know, they've actually went uh-huh. to good school, you know, as they say. So when, when it comes now to these artists in Jamaica, 
when most of them don't want to listen. You know what I mean? They don't want to listen. So instead of having this thing to where you have all the risk, there's not sales being done, you know, actual physical sales. Everything's about streaming. So what, what would you do? Would you rather concentrate on five artists in Jamaica that one of them might have a minor success? Or are you going to um, do a publishing deal or a production deal to where every single day you're working with one, two, three artists and every single day, whether or not something hits or not, you're doing the same thing you're doing, but you're getting royalties for whatever comes out. You know what I'm saying? So somebody like Stephen McGregor, right? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Or even Super Dupes, right? Um, he worked with Bruno Mars, say, in 2012-2013. That work that he did is still paying him right now. You know right. what I'm saying? On, on these, like you said, Beam is on Culture 3, which is, you know, I wouldn't say it was anticipated because it was kind of like a surprise release from the Migos. But like the Migos is, is like one of the biggest, you know, hip hop entities. Like they're up there with Drake, Travis Scott, Kanye. You know yeah. what I mean? So are you going to hitch your wagon to that or these hard-headed dudes hmm. who just want to um, be able to maybe build a house and have like 20 of their friends live with them. I don't know. I know that's, that sounds messed up. You know, but yo, no, but you know what? It's, it's better. You just, it's better. You say it because here why, because <clears throat> I think the choice is clear. It's obvious. I know you pay, you pose the question, but you know, the only person, only people that are going to stay and, you know, do that are people that are not really in it for you know if you're just doing it for the love yeah doing it for the love and for you know some little shine and little sense of purpose yeah yeah then you know you're gonna do the local thing but outside of that if you're serious about you know having money and longevity and i think it only makes sense Cause even if I was doing it for the love, if I have an opportunity to work with the biggest artists in the world and get publishing and all these things, I'm going to do it. I'm saying at some point when I have enough money, then I could pivot and start, you know, say, all right, I'm going to go to Jamaica and do X, Y, Z, build a studio or, you know, work with the youths or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But. A la yeah. Sean Paul, a la Shaggy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Well, how are you going to turn away from opportunities to really stack up 
and make cash and 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 do some things in the in the industry so you know i i this was like so interesting to me i started trying to do some research you know like on the history of jamaicans um performing on charts performing well on on international charts and the best source that i came up with was a 2015 article came out right at the end of 2015 and this article listed five jamaicans who made it to the billboard hot 100 um so number one on the list was carl douglas you know carl douglas no sir. i didn't know who this was this was the dude that sang kung fu fighting in 1974 mm-hmm. so that song you know came out apparently experienced poor sales but it got a boost from heavy club rotation so i think that's just so cool just throws throwing that back to back in the days where the club, you know what I mean, would influence the market. <laughs> yeah, man. And, but anyway, it was a good gimmick too. <laughs> yeah, man. It was right on time. Kung Fu fighting, Carl Douglas. Carl Douglas was born in Kingston, Jamaica. So you learned something new today. Um he spent he grew kind of grew up in the UK and recorded this tune in, in two takes. And it came out um, and ended up going to the top of the Billboard Hot 100, Hot 100, and selling 11 million records worldwide. Yo, this, I, I don't care who you are. When that song comes on, like, I, I don't have a bad memory about that song. I think back to when I was a kid, you know, watching kung fu movies, you know? It's like, yeah. it's like, like just the visuals. Yeah, shout out yeah, to man. that dude. Yo, my son, my kids know that song, man. Yeah, you know man. Saying? They play it at the at the dojo at the karate. Yeah, everybody karate. turns into Bruce <laughs> Lee when that song comes on. You know. Yeah, man. Shouts out to uh, who's it? Future Troubles. <laughs> yeah. Hiya, hiya, who? This your one, your new. But him and Beanie did have a crossover. You know. Yeah, top rum. I'm drinking. Rum oh, future Fambo, oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm like same was, person. Was, he reinvented yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shouts out to Fambo. All right. So also on this list, right? We had Shaggy. Um, it wasn't me and Angel in 2000 and 2001. Um, Angel went to number one. Spent a week at number one back in 20. Um, in 2001. Um, Shaggy. 10 million copies sold right there. And just this and year, Sean, the, yeah. the Super Bowl commercial. Oh, come on. Shaggy yeah. Diamond. Sean Paul. Get Busy in 2003 and Temperature in 2006. Yo, all these songs, you notice like how like impactful of hits these songs are. All these songs... They're always playing somewhere, <laughs> always in rotation. Yeah. Commercials, you know what I'm saying? Wherever you go. Maybe not in the hardcore dance hall, but in parties somewhere. The crazy thing about that Shaggy thing, though, man, did you watch that that uh, Vice documentary um, about how like that, that, that started to get rotation? Like, yo, we, we would have... Like we would have known about Shaggy, you know what I'm saying? 
because Shaggy was already, you know what I'm saying, a dancehall artist that people respected. You know what I'm saying? You know, I had the crew at Red Fox and Sting International and all that summer. But, like, the fact that, like, some random DJ in Hawaii started playing his song and then all of a sudden it blew up, starting in Hawaii, the other side of the world, basically. You know what I'm saying? Ridiculous. Man, yeah, man, man. You, you guys should check that out. Yeah, man. Shout out to Sting International. Word. And so the other two Jamaicans who made the Billboard Hot 100 were Sean Kingston in 2007. Okay. The Beautiful Girls. And that was on the chart for like four weeks that year. And then Omi. Remember Omi? Yo, for some reason, I thought he was African. Just the name Omi and then like the, the way the song sounded, I, I just assumed he was African, yo. Yeah, no. He is an actual Jamaican, and he was the seventh Jamaican ever whose song or album sold over one million copies in the United States in 2012. So there's no, only um, been... 2015. There's only been seven Jamaican artists in the entire history of, of rec- recording history that have sold over a million records in the U.S. Yep. And that, that, was, uh, that was as of 2015. Yeah. But I feel like nobody has... Because if anybody would have done it after that, it would have had to have been Sean Paul or Shaggy. I mean, the last six years, I don't think it's happened, though. So not even Billy Ocean, huh? Is, isn't Billy Ocean like Jamaican? Because he had Caribbean Is queen. It? I don't know. I, that's I, what I thought. I that's what I heard. I don't think so. No? Okay. Um, but yeah, man, that just, just for sure, you're the history of the thing, you know? Um, and we know we talk about Shaba and, you know, we, we know the people that were crossover and we know the people that were in the Grammy mm-hmm. and everything. But when you really check it, is are Jamaicans doing big things? Yes. Is reggae dancehall influencing the world? Yes. But are we getting the credit? Are the appropriate people getting the shine and getting paid? The answer is a big fat no. Um, you know what I'm saying? It, it is what it is. I don't know if there's a way to change this. But I just that we didn't want to talk about. Yeah, of course there's a way to change this. There's definitely a way to change this. And it's not even so it's a little bit of business and a little bit of creativity. And I'm I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a very strong stance on this, right? So, you know, I, I never even thought about what the population of Jamaica is before I saw it. I, I just <clears throat> ironically saw it, you know, like today or yesterday, yeah. right? Um, yeah, you didn't really finish your thought when you brought up the population of Jamaica. No, what what I was gonna, what I was saying, I mean, I kind of did, but I didn't. Like, basically, it's uh, it's untenable, right? I mean, if you're only like think about three million people, right? Three million people. How many? How many millions of people are in like New York? You know what I'm saying? Like that's Isn't just it like 14 million, or something, something like that. That's one city in America, right? I I, I don't yeah. know. I got to look up, you know, we could, but, you know, whatever. So there's a there's a finite number of people. So that means it's untenable to be able to support a career because 
you know, how, you know, every country has a percentage of young people, right? And in most countries, young people don't account for a majority of the population. So right there, you're cutting it at least in half, if not a third. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, so, so you're just saying the size of the market inside the, king, the country. Yeah, yeah. In, inside the country cannot sustain it. You know what I mean? And not only that, like, even across the world, artists have to do live performances in order to make money. So my whole thing is this. This was the comparison between the UK uh, drill scene and, and Jamaican like trap dance hall, right? The UK could keep on going back to that same well. You know what I mean? Because they have a certain amount of people. Um, in Jamaica, you can't necessarily keep on going back to that well. You know, and the reason why people have historically looked to the foreign markets is because that's where you know, the, the, not only the money, but that's where the people are. Right. So that's the business aspect of it. Right. Supply and demand, you know? Yeah. So the creating, but yeah, hold on. The creative aspect of it now is okay. Look back to what artists used to do. Every single artist. Like if you look at athletes, if you look at artists across the world, what they do is they look at pre who's come previously and what they do. If you're a running back, you're going to look at Walter Payton. You're going to look at Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith. You know what I'm saying? Herschel Walker. You're going to look at all these people. And even though the game has changed, you know, there's certain things that still apply. We're still human beings. Okay. Um, you know, even certain artists like, you know, Pharrell, Timbaland, even like you look back to the 90s hip hop, right? When, you know, you watch the Mary J. Blige thing, right? You know, um, they were going back to the well of the seventies. They're, they're, re, they're, they're doing over certain things that worked in mm-hmm. the seventies and eighties. Okay. So what I would tell artists nowadays is, yo, you can still do your trap dance hall or whatever, but you know, you have to diversify, you know what I'm saying? Look at somebody like ding dong, right? The ding ding dong. One of his biggest songs was the one that, you know, it's like the, the, the rhythm with the African, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's a rhythm, but like the one song is the African artist. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So you gotta, you gotta look to outside of Jamaica. Okay. And something we didn't bring up yet that, that, that you had pointed out to me. Um, actually we both saw it different times and we both sent it to each other. Jada Kingdom, you know what I'm saying? She's now signed to an American uh, record label. I forgot which, which label it is. Um, it is the Republic Records, Republic. New York City-based Re- Republic Records, which is owned by Universal okay. Music Group. So that's a major record label, major record deal for Jada Kingdom. Jada Kingdom is a major new- label love. Yes. She's a newcomer to the scene. And the thing about Jada Kingdom is obviously she's talented, right? Um what we've noticed, uh, I think you were talking about Stock Ashley earlier. Maybe. Yeah, Stock Ashley. That's right. Uh, exactly. So, you know, she's. They sound very much alike. I think Stock Ashley's what in in the UK, maybe. Yeah. Um. So, but here's the thing: Jada Jada moved to Atlanta. You know, what I'm saying she's going out with, uh, you know, singer producer. Verse Verse Simmons. Simmons, right? Uh, is he from Vi? Vi. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
you know, so, I mean, people could look at that and say, well, it's an industry thing, but nah, you know, even if that thing didn't happen, you know, I think those things would be set in place. There's, it's a calculated move. When you look at her social media, not everybody's going to be with it, but, you know, she's going the route of, say, a Megan Thee Stallion or something like that, you know, in terms of her imagery. Um, I believe Shensia um, may have also signed. I, I, can't, I can't remember. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, there's a way to break out. Like, Jada Kingdom is doing what, say, somebody like, uh, what's the dude from Queens again? Cranium? Yeah, Cranium. You know, Cranium is based in the States, right? And States artists get a different look. Okay. So she came to the States. She got a different look. Obviously, they've been shopping her around. You know, the label likes what they see and hear, so they sign her. You know what I mean? So that's, that, that shouldn't be the exception to the rule. Especially nowadays with technology, the internet, and all this, that, and the, the, the amount of creativity, the amount of people that you work, could work with. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to, um, uh, oh my God, I'm, I'm uh, Tessellated. You know what I'm mm. saying? His vibes. You know, the first song he, you know, kind of broke out with. Again, you, uh, I talk about Omi. I thought he was African. I, saw, I thought Tessellated, that track. Know, pine and ginger i thought that was also an afro beat african track mm. you know um these people are not selling out their artists they're figuring out a way yeah to be creative and merge their culture with other cultures you know tess sings about jazz you know he's a musician you know what i mean he has afro beat tracks he has stuff that is genre bending who else does that sean paul does that Shaggy does that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Big up to um yeah. Hood Celebrity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Speaking of major label love, you know what I mean? She's on she's been on Epic Records since like twenty eighteen. Right. You know what I'm saying? She presents herself completely like in a unique way. And another artist who who pays homage to dance hall, nineties dance hall, murder she wrote rhythm, you know what I'm saying? Uh, amongst other ones. Um, yeah. where she's mixing her culture, which is Jamaican American, you know what I'm saying, with its dance hall roots. And you could pivot any which way you want. You know? So I would suggest that artists, you know, be true to yourself, but understand this is also a business. And I'm not one person, like when I was young, I'm talking about real young, you know, I liked R&B, I liked hip hop and I like reggae. Okay. And that was it. The only other like, you know, rock and stuff that I knew was because of, I don't know, maybe Ralph McDaniels on video music box would play something every now and then, you know what I'm saying? Or no, whatever. But now that I'm older, there's no way that I could just like three genres of music because that doesn't speak to me. I need more. I need more inspiration. I need more entertainment. And I would suggest for these artists to really tap in to, to the connective tissue in music. Like I could get into African, I could get into, you know, Afro-Cuban music or Latin music, salsa, all this stuff, you know, um, mm. the Ama piano, right? Which is popular coming out of, um, 
Africa right now, you know, even certain soca and, you know, old ska, all this stuff. Like, you could still be true to yourself, but actually be a musician, you know, be an artist, be creative, because that's the solution to this. Bro, I, I hear you loud and clear, and I hear you 150%. Uh -oh. But, but you know what I'm saying? Sorry to be a little bit negative. You know what I mean? We, we, we're, 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 we're role switch, switching roles right now. Yeah. Yeah, because normally I'm the one with this optimistic cheer, rah, rah, you know. But look, look, pun it. Even the times, you know, unfortunately, the examples that we have are few and far between. Even the people that have done it the right way and done the formula, you know what I'm saying, the right way according to what you're saying, and have experimented and dabbled and Ray, you know what I mean? It's still not, it still hasn't caused the influx of Jamaicans on these major international charts. You know what I'm saying? So there's got to be more to it than just, you know what I'm saying, the artists coming correct yeah, with a project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you the bare minimum. There's a lot more. Um, it has to do with regulations. You know, yeah. Like, yo, I'm talking, you know, it's the lawyers, country needs, bro. The country needs to be more uh, copyright friendly. It's politics. International it's lawyers. Law. Yeah. It's business operations 101. You know what I mean? Because one thing, you know, the music industry is gangster, bro. Like, you know, all these things that we're talking about this industry like on the inside yeah like you gotta know that it's a game of you know lawyers threatening lawyers who threaten the next group of lawyers who threaten the next lawyer like that's really what it is <laughs> you know what i'm saying you're right you're and then right. there's a there, there's an aspect of street to it as well so if you're not out here and you don't have you know what i'm saying bimmy or you know what i'm saying somebody behind you <laughs> you know what i'm saying as the muscle to like get things done i mean yo honestly there's a yeah, lot of things. i don't think it's not it's not I don't just think the artists coming yeah yeah you're from. not contradicting what i'm saying what i what i was talking to is the creative side of it but you're right and i agree with you 100 percent. and i'll give you uh one last example about that um that i recently heard about so you know jay-z arguably the 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 greatest rapper of all time you're right i mean you know numbers don't lie no, he's a billionaire. Him and his wife are billionaires. Um, the the things that he's been able to do in the past few decades is like outrageous. Guess what? So you know about photography, right? You know, if a photographer takes your picture, who owns that picture? You know? Who 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 owns it? Say, all right, so if I hire a photographer to take my picture, yeah. even if I hire that photographer. The photographer yeah. owns the rights. They, they, could to that they could watermark it and all that. Okay. But not even watermark it. Like they have to give you permission to use the mm. photo, even if it's a photo of you. Okay. You understand? So the first uh, photographer, uh, why am I forgetting names of uh, Mannion? Mannion. I forgot his first name. Jonathan Mannion. Okay. He's like this okay. hip hop photographer, first guy who shot Jay Z's out first albums, you know, shot DMX, all these hip hop legends, right? 
Yeah. Um, he owns the rights to Jay-Z's Im- like images that he took. You know, he has a website. He sells like reprints and all types of stuff. Jay-Z for, knows for, this. This is the law. Guess what Jay-Z's doing though? Jay-Z was like, yo, I don't want you making money off my photos anymore, right? Yeah. No, Jonathan Mannion said, mm. sure, okay, fine. You give me this much. Jay-Z was like, all right, that's too much. Jay-Z's not suing him. Okay. It has nothing to do with what Jay-Z could legally do. Like, it's it's Jonathan Mannion's images to do whatever he pleases with, and Jay-Z's probably going to lose. However, this is that 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 nudge that, that yo, I'm coming for you. It's going to be the legal route first. Right. But then, right. you know. That, that's not, the key right. to this business. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm coming for you. you out. Yeah, I'm going to bleed I'm you out. I'm coming for you. That's yeah. what happens behind the scenes, people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I get what you're saying. I totally agree. It's another, that's 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 another side of it. Like, I guess the creative side Jamaica for me Jamaica needs the, somebody the that's going to. Right. Jamaica needs somebody that's powerful enough to be like, yo, uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm coming for you. Program directors yeah. in the U.S., I'm coming for you. You know what I'm saying? Reporters, media outlets, media houses, I'm coming for you. Billboard, um, Grammys, I'm coming for you. But here's the thing, though, and <laughs> I, I know this. I know this is this is conversation dragging on. You, you, the editing team can do whatever they want. But so I recently watched. Uh, uh, there's something on Netflix called. Uh, it's about pop music, right? I don't yeah, know if yeah, you yeah. saw it, right? So there's an episode on all of these Swedish producers and their stranglehold on pop music production. Okay? Mm-hmm. So what was happening is, let's just put it this way. Sweden is a small country, whatever. Um, for some reason, you know, uh, pop music uh, record labels were shipping artists over there to get produced by these Swedish producers, right? And they're making money, hand over fist, whatever you know, um, take like American producers while there's a lot of good ones, the amount of hits that these Swedish producers have, like from the seventies until now is like astronomical, you know what I mean? And we don't know their names, but they're multimillionaires. How many ever times over? So now what's happening is similar, like Jamaica, right? Like all these Swedish producers are now moving to America and eating all Mm -hmm. the food, right? And part of that is, it's not only the talent, it's the laws. It's, it's yep. being able to have laws that marry up with the biggest market. The U.S. market is one of the biggest markets outside of, like, let's say, Africa or something, right? You know, mm-hmm. or the Asian market, like China. So U.S. market is super large. There's a lot of money to be made, even with just streaming. And what I'm saying is, on the business aspect of it, and this is something that I've said before, the laws in Jamaica and the Caribbean at large need to reflect those of the biggest markets because it can be a, a source of GDP. You know what I mean? Like everybody right. can eat a food. Government could eat food off of taxes. Producers and artists could eat food off of royalties and be able to export and import music. Like, it's literally a commodity, you know, and this is what gets lost. When you bring up the lawyer thing, like, yeah, it's cool to have strong lawyers and everything, but if Jamaica doesn't have certain protections that marry up 
to the same protections in Europe and America and Canada or wherever, then it, it's the, the point is moot, moot, you know? Right. Somebody could produce something in Jamaica, take it to America and reap all the benefits. And Jamaica does not see a tax dollar. But what do we know? <laughs> Yo, we said it already. I don't, I think that's it for this episode. Yeah. Because otherwise I'll start repeating myself. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of angles to this thing. And it may seem like the same conversation, but it's not. Trust yeah, me. no, it's a couple nuggets. I think we extracted a couple nuggets. We unearthed some things. So if you like the commentary, you know, if you're on YouTube, yeah, get in the comments. Let us know what you're feeling. Hit the like button. Hit subscribe. Subscribe on all podcast platforms. And yeah, man, this is a dedication to reggae lovers worldwide. Amen. Peace. One. Regular Lover Podcast was produced by Andres Agard and Aubrey Khalil Agard. Visit regulover.com for full show notes, archives, and more information. If you're interested in a sponsorship or donation, please email info at regulover.com. Follow us on Instagram at Regular Podcast. Like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Regular Podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.